Welcome back to We Make Books, a podcast about writing, publishing, and everything in between. I'm Rekha Jay. I write science fiction and fantasy as R.J. Theodore. And I'm Kaylin Considine. I am the acquisitions editor for Parvis Press. And uh, today we're talking about debut authors, uh, which Rekha still is one. Technically. As of when this is being released, but... Yep. Um, not for much longer. Not for much longer. In two weeks, I will no longer be a debut author. I will have to hang up that hat. <laughs> so this episode was inspired... Well, we already had the idea to do an episode on being a debut author because I've seen it come up a lot. And since we agreed that we would do that, it came up a few more times. Um, at K-A underscore D-O-O-R-E, K-A Dor, who is the author of The Perfect Assassin, did a tweet thread about the handbook that needs to be written for debut authors. Someone should handle that. Yeah. Yes. And um, Kai did offer that if anyone would like to pay her to take two weeks off of work, she would happily write that handbook. <laughs> and so some of our topic points were taken right out of that. And then Melissa Caruso. So, author of The Tethered Mage, at Melissa Carew, uh, C-A-R-U, also sort of talked about what an odd sensation it is to be a debut author. So those were two that I wanted to just shout out and thank for, um, you know, just kind of guiding our conversation a little bit and also, you know, like say, hey, we see you, <laughs> you know, because as you'll hear in this episode, sometimes you're just like, what am I doing? Who who am I now that I have a, a book deal? And, and what it's, am I getting into? It's both into? an identity and existential crisis. And it's a big to-do list as well. Yeah. So um, we talk about the tasks that you need to mm -hmm. accomplish, the things your publisher will be doing, how to talk to your publisher and your agent during this time when you feel like maybe they're just busy and they don't have time for you because they're supposed to be doing something and you shouldn't be bothering them, <laughs> stuff like that. And then also like how to feel and how not to feel and how to distract yourself from your feelings. Yeah. So um, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And by the way, stick around uh, through the end of it because uh, we have some news announcement yeah. type thing. Mm -hmm. And then also we have a giveaway at the end of the episode. Um, so uh, stick around, take a listen there. And um, we hope that you enjoy episode 11, Debut Authors. How long have time. you known me now? You can't be like, oh, cookies, and then not have cookies for we me. We can make cookies when we're done. God damn it. I want a cookie. Well, we, let's get through these episodes and earn our damn cookies. Fine. Okay. But only because I like you. My so. idea for today was to talk about what life is either going to be like if you are a, uh, a newly signed author or what life is like if you are on your way to your first release date, or what life was like if you are listening and and feeling these feels in retrospect. There's a lot of feelings going around I'm here. I'm trying not to make this one like a tearjerker or my own sob story, but <laughs> there's the potential for some feelings and, and having to talk about them. Hey, like... look, feelings, feelings are okay. Feelings are things we are all... Are they, though? I mean, I don't have them personally, right? but I'm told that... I just feel like life would be easier without them. It is. It, it definitely is. Um, I try to put my feelings in books and not contain them in my human self. 
Well, that's great because then we keep getting books out of you. So as long as you, <laughs> it does work. Out. As long as you keep uh, on that track, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Um, so yeah, we're talking about you know what happens over the course of getting signed, your pre-release, and then your book coming out, and what go- your your life changes, yes. if you will, or lack thereof in some cases. Things are going to change, except they also kind of aren't. Yes. Um, so when you have signed your book deal, unless you are an outlier, you don't get to quit your day job. I mean, that would have to be one hell of an advance. It would, and considering you probably only get a portion of it when you first sign the contract, it would really have to be a, a hell of an advance because now whatever that is, if you were to quit your day job, would have to last you probably like 18 months. Well, here's, here's, I'll take it a step farther. If you have an advance that would allow you to quit your day job, you're probably not a debut author. Right. Or, <laughs> or somehow you got a really good agent. Who or you're your Robert book. Mueller. Or, well, <laughs> is that his debut? Well, no, I mean, like, you know, if he gets a book deal, he's okay. going to get, Yeah, I'm sure he'll be getting a multi-million dollar advance. Anyway, the, um, the advance you get is not going to allow you in... 999 cases out of a thousand is not going to allow you to quit your day job. So your day-to-day life doesn't change except now you are a signed author mm-hmm. and you have signed author responsibilities. You thought your manuscript was done. Let me tell you, your manuscript's not done yet. And also, if you thought your manuscript was done, please go back and listen to the previous 10 episodes of this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's more work to do on your manuscript. You will be um, meeting and starting to work with your editor at your publisher and um, you'll probably start to talk to different people at the publisher who are going to help with the launch uh, as you get closer to that. And so we just want to kind of list, um, you know, topic by topic, go over what kind of things you need to be expecting. Yeah, so we won't spend too much time on, like, the meeting with your editor mm-hmm. kind of thing because um, we did a lot of that in episode three. Right. The, um, you know, sort of walking you through the process. But you'll meet your, you know, meet your editor officially if you haven't already. Chances are you've probably talked to someone before this. Um, sit down, get a timeline out, get a, you know, we expect this by this date, which, mm-hmm. again, will probably be in your contract. Yes. Read your contract. Mm-hmm. Um, what the main thing that you're going to kind of have to pay attention to before that leading up to this is marketing and promotion. Mm -hmm. And your publisher should be handling a lot of that, have a plan. Again, this is probably hopefully something you talked about before you signed with them. Mm -hmm. It might even be things in your contract. Which would be good because then you have it to reference and everyone has signed the agreement that these are the dates and the and the things that are going to happen and the expectations for the marketing. Yeah, so leading up to your book release, um, so you might be going, okay, well, that's what, like, my publisher's doing, like, but I'm not, you know, I'm not buying ads and <laughs> doing, uh, you know, marketing stuff, but you might be recruited to appear at uh, different events or mm-hmm. readings. Um You might be asked to do like some promotional stuff, you know, interviews or things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that you can be doing, you know, like up to this point, when you were a drafting author and you were writing your first book and you were on submission, if you had any presence on social media at all, it was probably 
related to like, oh, this is so hard or, you know, commiserating with other writers and that sort of thing. And now you are an author with a publishing contract and you need to start thinking about how to get future readers onto your social media. So that's something you can sort of be doing is um, looking at ways that you can build your platform for readers as well as, you know, your fellow writers or just your friends or the companies that you followed or whatever was your Twitter before. If you haven't started to cultivate it toward your writing presence, then you might want to start to, like, reconfigure how you talk on social media. Not as in, like, become someone fake. Start to talk about different things. Um, start to, you know, the process of launch and... Keep everyone up to date with, you know, what's going on with you. Um, one thing is, it's it's just nice to see. I really enjoy seeing people that I know or work with, you know, saying like, oh, it's this many weeks, or I just got this back. And it's, it's nice. It's <laughs> a way of, you know, kind of, because this is a community of people you probably got a lot of support from over the years they should want to cheer you on right um but also it's just kind of one of those and you know it depends on how big of a following you have obviously but just keeping the reminders going mm -hmm. that like i have this book coming out right because eventually um, you can do a cover reveal you can you know tweet that and then pin it to the top of your feed and now when someone goes to your twitter profile you've got your pre-order link at the top um now in your bio you can say the release date and um you know if you've got a short link you can put that there your banner can now have your cover art on mm -hmm. it so, you know now you see you start to like turn this into sort of a funnel for somebody who appears at your profile for the first time they know exactly how to find your book because yep. you've made it easy for them. Part of your half of the marketing is just keeping up your presence and making it easy for people who find you to also find your books. Yep. Um, this does not mean that three times a day you need to tweet, pre-order my book, pre-order no, my book, pre-order my book. You're gonna, don't do that. You're going to chase people away with that. You are, yeah. It's, um, you know, when something comes up or you know, something changes or you have news, it's always a nice little time to be like, hey, I've got this book coming out also. Yep. So you have this publishing deal and you're talking about it on Twitter. Um, you know, you're not revealing anything that's, you know, secret to your contract or anything like that, but you are talking about the process and you're sharing it with people. And those people may be writers. Those people might be future readers. Um, they might be friends. But in the rest of your life, since you didn't get to quit your day job, um, <laughs> you might be tempted to tell your coworkers about your new book or uh, people at the grocery store, etc. Random people in the Random park people. that you're passing. Um, that impulse may fade rather quickly when you get the same question from every single one of them. Things which like, is? how much money did you make? Or when's the movie come out? Which is a great way of saying, I don't plan to read your book. I just want to know when you're famous. <laughs> I just want to be able to say I knew you. Um, yeah, those those are the types of questions you're going to get from people who don't really know how to engage. My, yeah. my co-workers, um, the one who was most excited for me, basically said, so you don't need this place at all anymore. Uh -huh. And well... <laughs> 
Not quite. They don't know how things work. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I believe there is a perception because I left that job. I believe there's a, a perception that people thought I left it to go become a full-time writer. And while that would be absolutely wonderful, that is not a reality that I ever expect to come true of being able to support myself fully on my writing without pulling some serious hustle and probably working harder than I do now to market the self-published books. Give us all of the words, Rekka. Yes, and and Parvis will be clamoring and saying, no, you can't self-publish that. We want that. So um, so that is, that's like a weird realm that you're going to exist in. You want to effusively bubble over with this news and it's not going to be taken exactly how you mean it from a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. Um, just to warn you, there are people who are going to think you're bragging. There's that going back to that perception that you can now quit your day job and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. People might think you're bragging because they don't understand what really hasn't changed all that much. Exactly. Except your book is going to come out, but um, it doesn't mean that you're going to start driving a Tesla. I mean, like those big advances, that's what people see because those are the ones that make the news. Yeah. So that's what people might perceive that you are, um, expressing when really, you know, like part of it is your excitement. Part of it is your relief because, you know, you worked really hard and yes, this is a good book. And yes, someone does want to publish it. You know, at the end of the day, this is, this is hard to say your coworkers, if they're good people, will say, that's great. Congratulations. When does it come out? Oh, mm-hmm. I'd love to pre-order a copy. And as far as they're concerned, that's all they need to. Right. That conversation was a moment in time for them where yeah. it's like, this is your new your brain space yeah. where all you can think about is wanting to talk about this book all the time. Yeah. So just, you know, be aware that like, yes, this is life changing for you. For other people, it's Mm -hmm. something that they're aware of and they're happy for you about, but it doesn't really mean that much to them. And to that point, even within like the social media circles where you do have a lot more support, like you'll announce your book cover reveal and you'll get maybe a little bustle of attention that day, but it's going to fade similarly because not everyone has room on their plate to obsess over your book the way you do. Exactly. And most people don't even want to. And most people are doing their own thing and have their own obsessions. And so that can lead to almost like a dysphoria about the process. It feels very strange because yes, it's happening, but there's nothing to tell people today that isn't the same thing you told them yesterday. Exactly. And it can feel, it can actually start to feel a little bit extra lonely um, because you feel like everything should be great, but you're slightly disappointed because you can't talk about it. It's actually easier to talk about how you are still searching for an agent or a publisher than it is to say, I am still working on my copy edit. Well, there's more people to commiserate Mm -hmm. with that. The pool, every time, this is the thing, is every time you hit a a success. Like a career point. You're taking another step up the pyramid, if you want to think of it that way. You're becoming a small fish in a a smaller pond. There's fewer and fewer people Mm -hmm. every step up. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when everyone's at the, you know, in the pond together going, I'm just trying to get my, well, let's say that's the ocean. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to finish my book. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the, I finished my book. I'm just trying to get an agent. Then you get the agent. Then you're just trying to get a publisher to pick it up. Then you get it published. Then every success narrows the field of people that you're in the same boat as. Right. It's like a funnel. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot of filters. And the folks who were with you in the ocean aren't necessarily going to follow you into your little koi pond, yeah. if you want to 
you know, talk about like making it all the way to the end of it. Oh, this. it's definitely a koi pond. Yeah, or a um, goldfish bowl. I like the koi pond. Yeah, you know, some it, flowers it in there, a little waterfall, a little more some pretty fish, nice yes. plants. Um, so, <laughs> and to that, um, you know, along with that comes the imposter syndrome. And the funny thing is, and I've heard this mentioned many times, is that the imposter syndrome hits harder the more success you find. I was going to say, actually, this is part one of the imposter syndrome Well, before not... you publish, because yeah. um... it's part of a whole process of, I think part of it is, I feel like I should have eyes on me, mm -hmm. but things haven't really changed all that much. Therefore, I must be bad. <laughs> That's kind of what imposter... You know how, like, there's that game um, where you, like, do the fortune cookie thing and you end every fortune cookie with in bed? Yes. Imposter syndrome is that, but it ends every thought you have with, therefore, I am a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> and a bad writer, and my books are bad, and no one likes me. It's a very long version of the, the That's a That's thing. a big but one, that's, yeah. But it's kind of what it's like. Um, things that are normal, things that everyone is experiencing end with this thought of, therefore, I am bad and I should feel bad. Um, something about writers, and I'm going to say this and I don't mean it in the, like, re bad reality star type way. Writers need attention. And when... I know that sounds like a petulant child. I don't mean it in that way. I mean that this is such a vulnerable thing to do. Mm -hmm. So when I say need attention... I mean, like encouragement, we need a <laughs> encouragement yeah. and attention and people going, you're doing the right thing. Because mm -hmm. for a debut author, you don't know if you're doing yeah. the right thing. This has never happened before. So it's nerve wracking mm -hmm. because it's you're like, yes, you're out of the ocean, but now you're in like Lake Michigan. Yeah. And at least you knew what was going on in the ocean. So being you feel adrift a little bit. So getting attention when I say that means encouragement discussions talks and plans about mm -hmm. things just attention on you and your book because it makes writers think like okay yeah i got this we're good here yeah and as frequent check-ins as you can get from your publisher like <laughs> encourage them to do that because it does it just makes them you know because it can get really quiet when they're doing their, I, their part of the job i mean i will say my authors you know depending on their personality mm -hmm. some of them are happy just being off in little author yeah. world forever and um, you know, only talking when we need to, but like a bunch of them, like I, I email them every other week, every week or so, mm -hmm. and just be like, Hey, how's everything going? Need anything? You know, how's the next book coming? Mm -hmm. Um, one, because I, I like all of my authors and I like to hear from them, um, too, but I think authors have a thing a lot of times that they don't want to bother their yeah. editor too much. Mm -hmm. And like, that's nonsense. You should absolutely, every time there's a problem, be yeah. talking to your editor but so i always try to do that just to open the door mm -hmm. for like and i'm having this problem <laughs> and if you have an agent um yes. you have another layer of like somebody that can be part of your process or or help reassure you in these like scary mm -hmm. quiet moments and things like that and so um the bigger the team of people that you work directly with on your books i think the better you'll feel because you know, if, if you can set up a rapport with your agent or your editor or something like that, where you are in touch pretty frequently. And also on that note, like know what you want out of the relationship from the start. And I was just going to say that before you, you know, really get into this, um, a good conversation to have with your agent and with your editor, 
especially your editor because you know your agent that's a different relationship mm -hmm. they work for you they, yeah um your editor technically also works for you, you but yeah. it's a different mm -hmm. it's a different relationship there's so. a power balance there yeah so having a quick conversation of like you know check-ins how much communication um you know i always tell my authors like if you need something email me mm -hmm. just or you can send me a text you can dm me on twitter whatever is easiest for you um just you know i'm fine with you being in constant communication it doesn't have to be relegated to our scheduled calls right um some editors you know understandably don't you know want that they'll have more boundaries set yeah um I, on the other hand, have no boundaries. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's most of the pre-stuff. Yeah. Um, and just further on that note, like, don't pretend to be a super altogether, not at all anxious author. Oh, yeah. And then suddenly 10 months into the process or, or don't just suddenly have a breakdown on them. Like, be okay with, like, Except talking to them whenever you want to. Except that this is going to be mm -hmm. a stressful process and is going to put you in a very vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. Because if you try to keep up a brave face the entire time, you're going to lose your mind. Right. You have allies in this now. That's what comes with the publishing contract. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to them if you have questions. It's a skill to acquire as well. But, you know, eventually your book is going to come out. So then right. that's going to come with a whole other separate set of anxieties. Well, you will have been getting busy as your book is, is approaching. And um, what I wanted to also point out is that, like, in these long stretches of silence, you can be finding your community also by going to conferences. And we've talked about this a little bit, I think, in episode, uh, the first two episodes, we talked about things you can be doing while you wait. Oh, yeah. Episode three after publication. We okay. did a lot of um, stuff about things that, you know, if you want, if you're interested, we talk a lot about that. But we, you know, we'll discuss it here again, maybe go into a little more detail. Yeah, it's just, you know, there are other writers who are at these stages. There are every stage of the process. And these are the people that are going to understand what you're going through the most. So, um, you know, find them at the conferences, friend them on Twitter, and then it won't be quite as lonely through this whole process. But also at these conferences and conventions, that is a chance to promote yourself and your book. Yes. Going to these and signing up, you know, sign up for a panel or depending if they do that, do a reading. Um, first of all, they're a lot of fun and it's a really good experience to have. Mm -hmm. I think um, it, it gives you an idea of how hard it is to get up and talk about these things. And, you know, crowds and stage fright aside, this is something Rekka and I keep discovering when we're working on this. It's hard to organize your thoughts on this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, I always think that giving presentations about things or discussing them is a great way to sort of force yourself to sit down and confront realities. Yeah, of... and one of the things you're going to be doing at this point when you're waiting for your book to come out is preparing these sort of like nonfiction, autobiographical sort of stories. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so um, doing presentations at conferences is a great way to get in the mindset of nonfiction because yep. it is a huge shift. Yep. I had a really hard time when um, I was writing the essays for Flotsam's release, all the blog appearances and, and that sort of thing. I had a huge 
mind block of being able to go from nonfiction to fiction. It's a it's a, it's a skill to develop, and it's not the same as writing fiction. No, and I mean, I will say as someone who uh, prepares information like that for our releases, writing, it sounds like it should be such an easy thing. I just need to write my biography and tell a couple, you know, things about myself. Well, here's one thing maybe a lot of people don't consider. You really need about five versions yeah. of your about me yes one that is literally two sentences like the kind that can just be stuck in the Mm -hmm. end of a magazine thing one that's maybe a paragraph one that's two paragraphs one that is considerably longer and more detailed and that's for if somebody really needs a lot of information about you where you the author are the focus right of everything and then one that is kind of like a press release Mm -hmm. and that's the one that it's funny because I said press release, but it's actually what you're going to say out loud to people real quick about yourselves. Right. Think of it as if you're in an interview mm-hmm. and like... So introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. I'm, you know, in my case, it's I'm Kaylin Considine. I'm the acquisitions editor for Parvis Press. And I also head up our editorial group. And then you have to, the end of it should factor into what about you is relevant to the conversation. To the conversation right. that's taking place. And it should sound natural. Yes. Because um, when you say these out loud, it's very different from writing practice them, down on the them page. Yeah, practice, practice them. them. I mean, you heard I just did mine right there, mm-hmm. and I have that memorized at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, it comes, it's, it's like a reflex now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's important because, you know, you get frazzled, you might, um, you know, sit down and they've got the mic running already, but you realize like you just sat down on the end of your sweatshirt or something like that and you've got to readjust and they're already asking you to introduce yourself. Yep. So like these things that are practiced ahead of time, and I don't mean to make it sound like you're regurgitating it by rote, but you want to be comfortable so that, um, you know, the simplest things aren't difficult in, mm-hmm. in that moment because, you know, you'll need to focus on the interview questions. You'll need to focus on, you know, whatever the topic is. So um, get into this mindset where you are an author and you need to be able to communicate that quickly, effectively, and as a reflex. Right. It will take a while to get used to that. Um, when I first started with Parvis, I did actually, this is, this is a good Example, um, I was just very, I won't say shy, but like people would, you know, I'd introduce myself and say on the acquisitions editor for Parvis Press, oh, that's so cool. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. The thing is, it is a big deal. And I should not have said that. But mm-hmm. you want to, I don't want to say come off as humble, but like, I personally get uncomfortable when people are like, impressed with me right and i think that's a great way to deflect that without actually deflecting it is to say yeah i'm super excited about it so it's like you are appreciative and grateful for what you have but also like you acknowledge that it's an awesome thing yeah so that's something to like maybe you know put in your pocket for getting compliments is don't deflect compliments like if you were a football player and someone passed you the ball you would not deflect it and what you want in (laughs) Rekko, was that a sports analogy I, i i I, I've watched, like, a bunch of football in the past. Oh I know my how football God. works. Uh, what? Oh. Oh, boy. Oh Don't my ask God. me to make a baseball analogy unless my. it's about falling asleep because it's I'm, gone on too long. I'm sorry. We need to stop need for to a, a second, listeners, because I am I'm so happy right now. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm going to watch football this fall. No, we're going to watch football now. <laughs> 
Sorry, that's the end of the episodes. We're going to take a break. Um, what is it, August through February? And then we'll be back in March. My world has been rocked yeah. in the best of ways. Okay, so don't anyway. Def- don't deflect compliments because that is what you want. And if you keep deflecting them, people will stop giving them to you. But I mean, in my case, I like, you know, and it was a mind shift. It mm-hmm. was the, you know, I have to get myself into the like, oh, haha, it's no big deal. Get away from that. Mm-hmm. And like now people are like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Do you like him? I love it. It's a lot of work, but I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't. You know, you can, there are ways to roll into it to say, thank you. I'm really excited. Thank yeah. you. It's a lot of work, but I love doing it. Thank, yeah. You know, so, so, but like, here's a thought that person is excited about what you just told them. This is a great time to pitch a book at the same time. Yeah. So by deflecting it, you end the conversation. This is like improv. Yes. And not no, <laughs> you know, so that's not sports ball referencing. <laughs> but I've never done improv either. So. I, I still, I don't know what I've said for the last, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and find out what I actually said because I'm still in a daze from <laughs> like... No, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. So you want to keep the conversation moving, especially if this person is now interested and enthusiastic because as an author, you have a chance to tell them about your story. As an editor, you have a chance to tell them about your, you, you know, your upcoming calendar. These are not people that you want to say, yeah, it's great talking to you. Bye. Like, but you know, when you're, when you aren't prepared to have these conversations ahead of time, that's what happens. You kind of like end up closed up because you realize, oh, I should be saying words. Never mind. They left, you know, so we're good with words, but, um, talking out loud is a switch. Uh, nonfiction is a switch and, Honestly, now you need to be moving into marketing mode. You're pitching yourself. You're pitching your book. You're putting on the, um, you know, personality of the author you want to become. Well, Rekha, real quick, you went to ReaderCon recently. I did. And if you don't mind talking about it, (laughs) yes. What did What did we do? (laughs) Um, Leading up to ReaderCon, and this is. I like to imagine that, like. Kaylin would call me up because I had a three-hour drive to ReaderCon, and I had expressed to her a couple days before that I was a little nervous. I realized I was going to be on a podcast, and um, so I knew I was going to be interviewed. I knew I was going to meet new people, and that someone was going to turn to me and say, tell me about your book. And I have been so busy with lots of editing and lots of other things, and my and, and the tricky part about having a second book coming out is that you kind of also have to pitch the first book you gotta at the same time. got to work that in a little bit, yeah. Because it's, that. I suddenly said to Kaylin, um, a few days before Reader, kind of like, oh, I should be thinking about my pitch. And Kaylin said, this sounds like an opportunity <laughs> for me to dig in my dress up box and put on mustaches and, and hats and pretend to be someone else. One of them was a tutu. Thank I you like very much. I like to imagine that you did dress up for each of these voices that you assumed. <laughs> she called me while I was on the road to ReaderCon. It was a three and a half hour, no, a little bit less, I think. It was a three hour drive and she called me up with a different accent every time pretending in character to be somebody who was calling me for an interview, a newspaper oh, Just someone you met like at the convention, you know? But, but it was funny because you... <laughs> You were so in character, and I'm like, who is this person that just calls me up out of the blue and asks me to tell them? Why are you laughing at me? People don't. You don't laugh at people that want you to. Yeah, so I would be giggling awkwardly, and Kaylin would be like, I don't understand what's going on. Is there there something funny happening? Is this a humorous book? So Kaylin's uh, Scottish accent, Russian accent, and uh, what was the last one? 
Did I do... Transylvanian or something? I thought I did my Bronx accent. Did I don't think you did a New York North accent. North Jersey? No. No. Okay, I don't remember. I, I would have given you, like, credit for authenticity based on your location. <laughs> um, we had a few different accents going on. Some some were more distracting than others. <laughs> and But but see, that's a test. Yes, because things will be distracting. Yes, the, yes exactly. So she um, made me... Not memorize, but sort of outline my bullet my points book marketing in my head so that when she asked me about it, each time I told her, it was different. And it was natural. It yeah. wasn't a... You want it conversational because yeah. otherwise it sounds like... It wasn't a script that you had memorized. Yeah. Otherwise so. it's a book report or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's your back copy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but the whole point of that is like, it sounds silly but you need to practice because yeah. you're not going to realize how hard it is. I think everyone thinks like, oh, well, whatever. I just have this book. It's like, I, no, I mean, okay, cool. Tell me about it. You have 30 seconds. And in fact, that's a good point because many authors, when they tell you about their book, and hopefully they've learned this by the time they've queried an agent and um, submitted it to a publisher, but many of them will just start telling you the plot from point A to point B. And you Z. don't want to do and that. And that is not a book pitch. No. That is it's... that is going to make people's eyes glaze over and they are going to walk away going, what the heck was that? A book Even pitch... if your book is amazing. Yeah. A book pitch is plot character setting. Mm-hmm. Are the three, if you have 30 seconds, that's kind of what you need. And you're thinking of this going like, okay, so I need a sentence for each of those. No. They should all work together. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe you Feel only natural. need yeah. Maybe you only need a couple words just for the setting. It's mm-hmm. set on a distant planet. It's mm-hmm. in a hidden fairy forest. It's don't. I'm gonna say this. Don't overcomplicate it. Right. The things you think are important to your book and really fascinating probably don't matter so much in the pitch. That is. That's actually a very good point because this is something I come up with with authors a lot. Your favorite part of the book does not mean that that's the important part of the book. Or it's not the part that's going to sell it. Exactly. So be careful about like how much you try to jam into your pitch. Just make it about the fascinating things. And some people hate comps. Some people love comps. But try to have some comps on hand. Yeah. And by comps, we mean, you know, like titles that you can compare your book to that are going to express what a person might be able to um, expect when they open it up. So one last point, and then I promise we'll stop talking about this because like, we have planned to talk about pitches, but like, this is really, you know, it is important. Yeah. And and this is a good moment. This is like, you've got some downtime. This is really ideal time to be fixing. I know that this is not something everyone just wakes up and knows how to do. But learn how to read situations and be self aware. Mm hmm. Um, if you're at a convention and there's a bunch of people all just hanging out talking, you know, you might go go around and introduce yourself or you might say, yeah, since I've got this book coming out next, oh, what's it about? Give your pitch and then stop. Yeah. Because chances are no one else really, I mean, unless people are asking you questions about it, the thing is that if they really want to know, they're going to go buy the book and read it. Right. But just be self-aware. Don't corner people and make them listen to you. Don't. Um, you know, people that are clearly just not interested or being polite. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, you don't want to be the person that got the reputation for, oh my god, they would not stop talking. Yep, and I was here they trying, come. Yeah, like, um, 
it's and it's a hard thing to do sometimes just you know reading people engaging what they're Mm -hmm. you know thinking and feeling about what's happening but um it's important because you don't want that reputation of like oh my god they just would not shut up crap they're coming we gotta we gotta get out of here so just be self-aware. Um, if someone introduces you at BarCon to an agent and you need an agent, then absolutely have your pitch like fluid and ready to go. And that's a good point. At BarCon, you might have some alcohol in you, so you also want to practice your pitches when you might be stumbling over your tongue a little. Yeah, and also you want to practice your self-restraint yes. when you have some alcohol maybe in you. Maybe cut your alcohol with some club soda or maybe don't drink alcohol if it's not just be good se- for you. Just be self-aware. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, know what know what you're going to be like. Yeah. In both sobriety and otherwise. Yeah. So be realistic. And if it's going to impact your career negatively, then skip it. Yeah. You can still hang out at BarCon and sip a cranberry juice. So, um, so conferences, that's where we were getting at, was our great way to, um, hone this skill hone your and craft. skills, but also build your community of support. So now your book is here. You're blog posts are out they give you like when those blog posts get launched at the um the sites that are hosting them that's a great opportunity to retweet and share it and pitch your book again to people on twitter um in a natural way because you have new content to deliver them um Mm -hmm. you know leading up to launch you can post about how excited you are because genuine enthusiasm is going to be welcome versus you know just book pitch book, book pitch book pitch and so your book is out, and what is that book launch day like? Pretty much like any other day. Any other Tuesday, except you feel like something should be happening. <laughs> <laughs> so you might be tempted to um, reload your browser, you know, to see, like, is, are people talking about me? Mm-hmm. Check your phone a lot. You're checking your email a lot. Looking on Amazon, watching the ranks. Like, Try to have something else to do that day, maybe. Like, if you can make plans to go to an aquarium or, you know, like, if you want to take the day off, you can. If if going to work will keep you busy and distracted and won't give you opportunities to obsess, like, that might be the best place you can be. It's tough. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's funny because I'm never quite sure what authors think is going to happen that day, Mm -hmm. but here's, like... You're not going to have, like, a bunch of reviews flood in on your first day. You're not going to have, like, immediate sales numbers. You're Mm. not... There's really not a lot that can happen. Now, in the coming weeks, and I would say even for the first week, there really isn't a lot that's going to be... that's going to be happening. Right. Except you do want to see that you are present. Yes. Like, you know, that the marketing has continued, that... Um, you're talking about it on social media, like you, hopefully you have the same sort of activity from your publisher, um, any PRs going out, if there are articles about the release, you know, depending on how big it is, Mm -hmm. then, you know, these are opportunities to share and keep that momentum going. And if you have some, um, friends with their own audiences who have read the book, you can ask them to also, you know, help you out and and tweet about how much they loved it if they had a chance to to read it. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's debut day, and there really is not much to it, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the best thing you could do is work on book two. Yeah. And, you know, try to avoid Goodreads, try to, um, you know, stay away from the reviews because they're not for you. 
take care of yourself, be nice to yourself, and don't hinge, like, your entire experience of being an author on what happens on that day. Yep. So, after release... So, following your book launch, you will probably have some appearances to make at either libraries or bookstores. Um, Indie bookstores, this is a great way to get them on board with your book by having your events at their location because um, they're going to expect that you're going to draw some audience. It's stuff that they can um, entice their uh, customers to the store with. But um, so that bookstore is happy with you. You've brought local people. Um, On that note, if you are trying to plan as many things as possible, you don't want to cannibalize the book sales by going to two places that are really close together. They're not going to appreciate it, and you're going to have a weird, awkward, quiet visit with one or both of those. So um, try to drum up as many, you know, people that you can bring along. They'll try to drum up their customers to come along. Things like that. Um, You have to expect that one or more of these might be a bit of a dud, you know, if you are just trying to find any place that you can get into. Keep your expectations realistic. You, yeah, because you don't know what the audience for your genre is going to be like at any of these locations. So it might be crickets at yeah. some of them, and that's okay. You know, eventually someone always tends to wander in. And, and just be like, nice hey, so what's your deal? Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes they know, and, and other times they're there because you're an author that succeeded, and they are somebody who wants to write a book. So yep. that happens, too. But, um, yeah, so you've got maybe some podcast appearances that are... Uh, broadcasting as or after your book comes out you want to keep sharing those some interviews um, on blogs or you know if you're lucky radio or something like that get in touch with your local papers maybe they can announce your book launch Um, so you have um, one book out chances are you've got another one in your contract or an option and if you're a writer you know chances are you like doing that so once the dust settles, and honestly, if you can make a habit of doing it in the midst of chaos, that's even better, but keep working on your writing. Well, I'm going to qualify this by saying that you're probably working on your next book before the first one's out. Yes, definitely. Um, so if nothing else, if you're overwhelmed and you're worried, keep working on your craft. Keep mm-hmm. like working on the thing that made you an author. Now, you will see other authors on Twitter and around talking about how awful the second book is. And so (laughs) since that's such a topic, I think we can save that for another discussion. Oh, definitely. Because there's a lot that goes into focusing on writing a book when one is coming out. Um, As we mentioned, all the distractions of copy edits coming in and stuff like that. So I think we could talk about that for another half hour. Oh, yeah, no, that'll be, that's another episode, no problem. Without making this one run on any longer than it already has. But yeah, I mean, you're not alone in this. And there are lots of other authors who have already gone through this. There are authors who are going through it at the exact same stage that you are right now. And there are authors who are looking forward to going through this. Figure out the best way for you to cope with the strange silences and the process have a list of things that you can be working on. Mm-hmm. Things that, like your blog posts, p- practicing your pitch, and when you're feeling lost, confused, and directionless, pull out that list and go, all right, I'm going to spend some time on this thing. Right. Um, and just in life, I find that generally <laughs> helps. But yeah. um, yeah. Knowing what the next thing that you need to do is sometimes a really clarifying thing that can you know, just break the mood that you start to fall into the malaise of like, oh, am I good enough? Like you're, whether or not you're good enough and someone bought your book, so you are, please, you are good enough. Like repeat it into the mirror to yourself. But, um, you know, 
break through that by just getting some work done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, I think that's the episode. That's we more than the episode. More than the episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, so, you know, hoped that was informative or maybe a little uh, reassuring, mm-hmm. hopefully. But, um, you know, it's good. It's good stuff to hear. And if this has um, brought up more questions or anything like that, please um, reach out to us on Twitter. Ask us some, you know, refining yep. questions and we can uh, reapproach this topic with more specific things in mind in the future. Exactly. Yeah. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, where can they find us on the socials? They can find us at WMBcast on Twitter and Instagram and also at Patreon.com forward slash WMBcast. And if you could leave a rating or review in the app podcast app we'd really appreciate that and we'll read those in a future episode we will all right thanks everyone we will talk to you in two weeks two weeks uh wait well what's hold up a minute (laughs) so um in two weeks our next episode is starting submission september we're doing one episode a week for September, so you're getting four instead of just two, like you know. Potentially five. Potentially five. Yes, we have to. Yeah. Possible you are going to get five episodes. Um. So we're covering pretty much all of the steps leading up to submitting your work, and then also the process of doing that. So, um, we when we were organizing, and I know it doesn't sound like it, but we do organize mm-hmm. and, you know, try to plan and think about you. these things. <laughs> um, but when we were kind of putting our thoughts together on submissions related topics, we were like, you know what, I feel like it's doing a disservice not to do all of these at once. Mm-hmm. And then we we're like, well, that would take two months. So that's a long time to go through all of these. So we decided... We're going to do submission September. Like I said, four episodes, one every Tuesday, possibly five episodes, depending on on how this some things uh, work out. And we're just going to cover the topics related to that. And um, so we're excited to do it. I think it's I think it's a good idea. <laughs> Tell us it's a good idea. <laughs> Well, yes. And at this point, we are about to start recording it long before you're going to hear those episodes. So if you've asked us questions about submissions already, thank you so much. We have definitely taken those into consideration. But um, if you are listening to this episode at the end of August, then... um, all these episodes are already recorded. So yeah. if you have extra questions, go ahead and, and start shouting them at us. But um, if we don't answer them during September, no, it's just because of the timeline being what it is. And, and we'll get to them in another episode. And if we get enough questions, mm-hmm. we can do another episode that's just a wrap up. Yeah, of, absolutely. You know, six episodes in one month. Why not? Hey, you know, we, we have nothing but time, right? Yeah, yeah. time is great. So um, speaking okay. of those book launches, though. Hmm. In, in our next episode. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, I would like to entice you all. <laughs> so the first episode of Submission September is coming out on September 3rd, which also happens to be the book launch of Salvage, Rekka's second book day. By, Very exciting. By this awesome person, RJ Theodore. Yeah, I've heard her. Like, she's fine. Yep. <laughs> she is exciting and she is magnificent and, and um, she is the embodiment of all things right and good in the world yes um now Rekka's uh, second novel in the Paradox shift trilogy uh salvage is being released that day so um to celebrate that uh we're gonna give away three copies of salvage to uh i don't know what do you want to make the stakes here so the first three people to share this episode to their friends on Twitter and use the hashtag Sporkpunk Wielders Unite (laughs) 
can uh, choose from an ebook or a printed copy, depending on how you prefer to read, because yep. we definitely want you to read the book. And um, let us know if you've read Flotsam, too, because if you haven't, there's there's some spoilers in Salvage for yeah. Flotsam. It's, um, it's a one arc. Yeah, and print copy, you know, Rekka will sign it, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So, um, so yeah, okay, that's our episode. Uh, so, September, submission September, get ready for that. We're excited. Uh, release of Salvage. There's a lot of S's coming yes. up here. It's a very alliterative, accessorating, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sibilant month, so. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, again, so much for listening, and um, we'll see you in September. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> so. If we, we... You know, the episodes will go live. We may not be alive anymore. Yeah, yeah. So just remember us fondly. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care.